this is, this is wrong. Okay, but then what do we do? We can have more equanimity about our reactions to that. And that takes inner strength. Then benevolence, of course, in many forms. Compassion, kindness, altruistic joy, and what we'll talk about later, I think after lunch, unilateral virtue. What the Buddha talked about, basically, unconditionally, um, living by your own code. And then last and not least, relationship skills, you know, which include things like empathy, right speech, negotiation skills, integrating assertiveness and compassion and so forth. So you might want to think about where you're at with those nutriments. Where you're, where, you know, where is it going well, right? Where is it working well? For? Yeah, right speech, wise speech. Oh, we'll say more about that, actually. Uh, the Buddha had six guidelines around wise speech, how to communicate. You know, we'll elaborate that, too, with other things around, you know, good communicating. Basically, lots of studies have shown that, the nature, that a relationship is formed of interactions, right? And if you get good interactions, you're going to end up with a, you know, better relationship. If re interactions deteriorate, the relationship tends to deteriorate, too. And those interactions are a lot founded on how people communicate with each other. So that's the importance there. It's interesting that in the Noble Eightfold Path, which is the Buddha's uh, path to the end of suffering, the complete uprooting of greed, hatred, and delusion in the mind, so it no longer arises whatsoever at the highest level, that of his eight main factors, if you will, he devoted one to how we speak with each other, which emphasizes how important it is. So that's what we're going to focus on from here. We won't be able to do it all. Uh, we're going to emphasize uh, resilience, uh, certain aspects of resilience like self-compassion and getting one, one's own side. We did a practice earlier about internalized sense of love and we dropped in without telling you one of the practices from our book called Taking in the Good where you really uh, defeat the negativity bias and make the brain Velcro for positive experiences and Teflon for negative ones by staying with, mindfully staying with, the positive experience, positive emotion, for 20, 30 seconds in a row to really get those neurons firing together, right? And thereby weave a positive experience into the fabric of your brain and yourself. So we did some of that already. Um, okay, we're going to do a lot with benevolence. We're going to do some with relationship skills, especially empathy. And we'll definitely have some time in Q&A about nightmare scenarios. You know, what do you do when, you know, your ex's kids are threatening? Or what do you do when... Um, just the little stuff of daily life. What do you do when uh, your partner's snarky? Right? Tone. What do you do when your teenager gives you the eye roll big time? You know? What do you do uh, right then and there? So definitely want to get into like rubber meets the road moments. Okay? So on that all note, how about we do a practice here? And so I want to talk a First, though, about some announcements, because we'll do a practice and then segue from the practice into lunch. And rather than, you know, stepping out of the practice into, uh, you know, the usual 10 minutes of announcements, we thought we'd just make them right here. Okay? Okay. So, just a few announcements here. When we do have lunch, it's okay to go any. It's okay to uh, go out on the land. Be careful about ticks and poison oak and rattlesnakes and, and sticks you might trip on. Uh, trying to stay relaxed. Trying to stay relaxed and peaceful. Uh, meanwhile, anyway, uh, I believe there is a retreat going. Yeah? There's, a, day, there's, there's a, a method day long. Going. Okay. Or something. So please don't go past the gate. All right, but it's okay to go up on the hills. The hills are gorgeous. If you're ambitious, uh, there's a trail that leads up from a gratitude hut 
which is roughly right there, which is really worth going into. It's just wonderful in there. And as the trail that goes up, and if you're ambitious, it's about 20 minutes one way briskly to a fire road at the ridge and about 15 minutes down, but the views are amazing from up there. Okay, some things coming up here that are really pretty great. On Saturday and Sunday, August 14th and 15th, as a benefit for Spirit Rock, which is really good. Um, I was on the board here for nine years, so you know, near and dear to me. Uh, Sandra Maitri will lead a weekend workshop that's a benefit about the Enneagram, uh, movements of defense and deepening. Also, Byron Katie, who's quite a celebrity in the new in the self-awareness, personal growth circuit, and for good reason, um, is going to be here September 11th. I think that that's a nice day for her to be here, and she's going to host a day on loving what is. All right. Also, upcoming events tomorrow, Donald uh, Rothberg, the Spirit Rock teacher, will host, uh, will lead a workshop on cultivating wise speech, going to the importance of wise speech. On Saturday, July 24th, Howard Cohn will be leading a day-long wisdom and love. That's a pretty good combo, right? And then on July 25th, a friend of ours, Wes Nisker, teacher here, who's quite playful, as you'll see from the title of his workshop, Mind Games, Buddhist Meditation for Fun and Enlightenment. All right? Um, you can see more about the events here in the flyers at that back table or on the bulletin board out there. Uh, upcoming classes, Monday night children's summer Dharma class meets every Monday night through August 23rd. When our kids were little, we had them in the family program here. Spirit Rock has, by the way, probably, it's widely recognized, maybe probably, arguably the best family program of any Buddhist center in the world. I mean, it really has developed it. We should all, I think, have some pride in that. Uh, maybe there are others, that, but it's tied for first place. It's a great program. And there's room in some retreats. There's a young adults retreat starting uh, August 9th, so they discount the normal registration for that, and it's a young adult group. I just have come off retreat for much of June, and if you've never done a retreat, I highly recommend it. You start small if you like, um, you know, two to three nights initially or even longer. Um, there's nothing like, as I told my kids when I came back from the very first one, nothing is as powerful as nothing. Just Sitting, walking, sitting, walking, sitting, walking. Nothing. No eye, not much eye contact, no getting into it with others, no eye rolls here. Um, <laughs> wow, so powerful. So, and then there's another one, mindfulness and education for teachers, people who work with children. That's three nights beginning August 26th. Okay, so those are good upcoming events. Then I would like to say a word, it's kind of implicit in all that, <clears throat> about generosity. Uh, you may not realize this, but the registration fee you paid for this event um, probably covers about a third of the costs of keeping Spirit Rock going. You know, in other words, the fees that Spirit Rock charges for keeping things going here cover about a third only. So look around the room, look at the lights, just think, wow, a third of these lights are paid for through donation alone. And it's interesting, consistent with that, that typically the very first thing the Buddha would teach when he would move around India teaching is about generosity. You know, and the traditional word for that is Donna. There are many forms of generosity. In America, we tend to bang, we conflate generosity with giving money, right? Your presence, your attentiveness. Rick and I were speaking uh, briefly at the break with each other about the unusual degree. We've done a number of workshops here. The unusual degree of, of care and attentiveness and sustained presence and, and good feeling, good vibe that's in this group of people today. That's Donna. That's giving. Another form of dana is giving time, volunteering. So those of you who are volunteers here today, would you please stand up? Stand up, 
Don't be shy. Get up. And let's give you a hand of applause. Thank you. Really. Look at it. They make it work here. Thank you in the back. Really. This is great. You know, I, uh, again, as a former board member, I know how much uh, volunteers mean here. It's really, really important. So there are many forms of giving. There are two baskets out there. And if you're moved at the end of this workshop to make a financial donation, and you can also leave uh, other offerings like advice, good poetry, dark chocolate, or bananas for Spirit Rock to support it in its mission, that would be very, 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 very welcome. Um, there are a number of workers here that actually subsist on Donna bananas. Not that many. <laughs> they have monkey minds, but we won't go there. But anyway, um, there it is. Uh, cheap, cheap shot. Okay, with their bird spoon. brains. But the point is that, um, you know, really think about that. Really think about that. Spirit Rock is a very unusual institution. I think uh, there's something like pushing, well, uh, pushing 20,000 unique individuals come here every year. Uh, many of them, some, you know, each year for the first time as their initial introduction to, you know, the, the teachings of the Buddha and their benefits. So this is a great institution. I really encourage you to support it. I do. I'm a monthly, I'm a steward here, so-called. I do a monthly giving program. Uh, lots of other people do too. So think about how you might support this institution. The other thing is that Rick and I will happily welcome and really appreciate your bananas, dark chocolate, advice, poetry, or money. We don't get paid anything out of your registration fees to do this. Um, so your donations are actually what, you know, help us keep doing this. I mean, in some senses, we're here in part because of what people have given us in the past. You will help us keep doing this and carving time out of our lives um, uh, to keep doing this as well. So if you're so moved to make uh, a donation to us as well. I think there'll be baskets out there that may already be available. They're probably next to the one for Spirit Rock. We will very, very much appreciate it. I have to tell you, really from my heart, um, when, we, when we see the money in the basket, or Spirit Rock tells us how much there was, or we get a banana, or some good chocolate. I like dark chocolate, but it's, it's a, that's just a detail, you know. But anyway. That's a preference. It's not yeah, a that's, right, it's a preference. that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. The point is, it really touches our heart. It just kind of blows us away, honestly. We really, really, really appreciate it. And the point of it is to do it for yourself. As the Buddha said, I think, certainly other teachers have, do what makes you happy. You think about how much to give, you want to do what makes you happy. Whatever feels really, really good as a practice of generosity, of the open hand, of, of non-clinging, you know, of not operating based on fear and you know, holding close to home. I mean, that's the whole reason why the Buddha taught generosity as a kind of enlightened self-interest. Okay. So now, let's do a practice, huh? You know, so I want to do a practice here that is about inner strength. And there's a lovely quote from the Buddha. You know, if you're going, if you're facing a river, he used the metaphor of the river of suffering a lot and getting across it and dealing with it, you know? If you're going into that river and trying to get across and in whose life is the river of suffering not swollen and swiftly flowing? If you're carried away by the current, how can you help anyone else? Or as they say more prosaically in an airline, put your own oxygen mask on first. You know, it's really, really important to take care of your own well-being. All right. It's interesting that, uh, you know, in any tradition, people talk about being good to others and how important that really is. Well, we are one of those all-beings that we're supposed to be good to. Um, there's a lot of evidence in cold, hard research that if we take care of our own well-being, we're more inclined to be sociable and generous toward other people. If you also think about it, you know, how many of you are therapists? How many of you are in the helping profession? 
How many of you get paid to help in one way or another? Look at the hands in this room. Nurses, physicians, care providers, therapists, speech therapists, you know, school teachers as well. I think there's a special place in heaven for school teachers, you know, having worked in schools, um, and, and all the rest of that. Well, you're aware of this idea that if you have power over somebody, you have a duty to them. Your student, your client, your patient, what have you, um, the old person you're working with in some home, whatever. Well, who's the one being on the planet that you have the most power over, really? It's your future self, right? That's the one that we have the greatest duty to. And one way into accessing, which we're going to do experientially in a moment, I'm just kind of setting up the practice we're going to do, uh, is to really appreciate yourself as a little kid or the little kid inside you today. Or if that doesn't work for you, some other sense of kind of tender, vulnerable nature. I have a good friend who has a picture of herself as a little girl that she puts next to her driver's license in her wallet. So when she flips out her ID, she always sees that little picture of herself as a little kid that draws out from her that sense of being for herself. So that's a good pathway into that because it's hard for many people to get on their own side. Not so much that they're against others, but rather they're for themselves. A key aspect of being for oneself is self-compassion. There's a great quote from Pema Chodron, you know, um, that the root of compassion for others, which is arguably, and particularly the more Tibetan view, the root of Buddhism, the root of compassion for others is compassion for oneself. That too is not always so easy to do, right? And so, um, you know, we've developed a little bit of thinking about that to kind of unpack it. Compassion is often quite subtle, and the essence of it is the wish or the intention. Even if you don't feel anything, <coughs> you can think in your mind, I wish that others not suffer. Technically, compassion is the wish that they not suffer, while um, Kindness is the wish that they be happy. It's a huge area of research. Uh, by the way, I should say at the end of the slide set, um, we have, I think, five pages of one page on great books in this territory, and then four pages of really, really great papers, kind of greatest hit scientific papers uh, in this territory that we've covered today. One of them, I think, is on self-compassion by Mark Leary, who's a researcher there. Um, you know, it's interesting, a lot of the research on self-esteem boils down to self-compassion. Self-compassion arguably is more powerful than self-esteem, probably because it's emotional and sensate, whereas self-esteem often has a, a merely, it's not too bad considered, compared to self-hatred, all right, but it has a largely a cognitive conceptual component. So given the benefits of self-compassion, it's important to develop it, but that's hard for many people for many reasons. Being raised in environments where there was a lot of fault-finding, um, or uh, growing up where there's institutionalized oppression of one kind or another that then can get internalized. Uh, many, many people dealing with that situation for real. Uh, or a culture perhaps growing up or um, living in in which you know, being nice to oneself is seen somehow as a sin or vain or too much me, me, too selfish and all that. It can be hard for people. So there are three really neat steps which we're going to do in a moment as a practice for uh, stimulating and therefore strengthening the neural substrate of self-compassion. Step one, bringing to mind the sense of being cared about by others. Step two, um, bringing to mind someone that we naturally feel compassion for. And then step three, applying that quality of compassion to an aspect of oneself that is really, really easy to be compassionate for. And as I said, we'll be uh, doing this you know, in just a moment. 
Now, to be self-compassionate or to be nice to oneself, oftentimes we feel, well, but I'm not really a good person. Or, well, I'll do that when I've gone on retreat and developed more. And I love this uh, line, you know, from Leonard Cohen, who's a strong Zen practitioner, by the way. Um, there's a lovely documentary about him out that I just loved called, I think, He's the Man. Uh, I'm, I'm your man. It's fantastic. It's got Leonard Cohen. It's got his Zen master teacher down at Mount Baldy. It's got U2. It's got some great Canadian concerts, uh, playing, singing the songs. Anyway, ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything, and that's how the light gets in. Right? We're all cracked. We're all cracked. You know, we're all cracked. Everyone messes up. Everyone has messed up. I've messed up. I'm cracked. Um, hey, we're human. That's where we start. And boy, given that we're cracked, don't we need self-compassion? So let's do a practice here, okay? So why don't you come to your seat and get comfortable. Find a posture that's relaxed. As with any practice, go your own way. Do what you need to do. Um, if you get uncomfortable, you might open your eyes, look around, find something to rest your eyes upon that's nourishing for you. So take a breath and come into yourself. And for this practice, you might want to leave your eyes open because it's about feeling strong. And very often when we really want or need to feel strong is when we've got our eyes open. So imagine coming home from a long but good day at work or some kind of work, raising a family perhaps or doing other things, even working in the garden, and plopping yourself down on a comfortable chair and just dropping everything else and relaxing. And even here and now, there's been a lot to think about. The mind could well be fairly busy. Just taking a moment to drop all that like suitcases left, you know, on the floor. And just be here as awareness with sounds, sensations, and other thoughts coming and going like clouds moving across a vast and boundless sky. being aware of some of the qualities of awareness itself. Notably, that awareness can hold anything and is never damaged by what it holds. Awareness is strong enough, capacious enough, to hold anything without being damaged by what it holds. See if you can appreciate the strength, the resources in awareness itself. And then in this relaxed awareness, see if you can sense 
a vitality in your own body. It's fine and natural if there may be some weakness in the body or associations to weakness in the body and see if you can just let them be there and then gently move them aside to refocus on what does feel strong in your body. Your heart keeps beating, lungs keep breathing. You can be aware of the strength in your breathing. And by the way, if there's anything about your body or breathing that is uncomfortable to pay attention to, please shift your attention to something else that can feel strong, including in your body if possible. Recall a time when you felt really strong. Maybe it was a time of physical endurance or difficulty, challenge perhaps, a time in the wilderness, lifting weights, a long run, or maybe a time when you really had to stand up for somebody else, a child, a friend, an animal. You were strong. And see if you can bring to mind and cue up here and now a sense of that experience in your body, in your feeling, your attitude, your mind. Maybe shift your posture a little to a sense of strength in your posture or how you were that day. And just explore and, and sink into that experience of strength. Feel free to consider other times in your life when you have felt strong. And help yourself, be on your own side, to intensify and deepen the sense of strength. See if you can feel it in new parts of your body, your legs, your back. intentness in your gaze, the resolve in your mind. And as you sink into feeling strong, sense and intend that feeling strong is sinking into you, taking in this good thing. Noticing any resistance to feeling strong, as if it's not all right to feel strong. 
fears of being strong, maybe because bad things happened to you previously in life, maybe even as a child, when you did use your strength. And you acquired lessons or fears about being strong. And then seeing if you can, after being mindful of any obstructions to strength, release them, let go of them as you can, and keep letting in a deepening sense of strength. Strength of body, vital force, strength of heart. of courage, of caring. And strength of mind. Being, as the Buddha said, resolute, clear-intended. Disciplined. As that strong person, expand your awareness to include a sense of others around you. And notice how that affects your sense of personal strength. And play with continuing to nourish and sustain a sense of personal strength while also, also opening up to a sense of relatedness with people around you, maybe without making too much eye contact, you know, moving your gaze gently around, tracking that others are around, noticing what happens to your sense of strength then, and seeing if you can keep feeding the roots of your sense of strength, even as you have a sense of people around you kind of streaming through you. could also bring to mind, as you stay strong, other people in your life who are not in this room. And keep exploring this sense of what is it like or would it be like to stay grounded in strength while also being connected.
you might have the sense of staying strong like a mighty tree with the wind of other people, their reactions, their wishes, their thoughts, their treatment of you, whatever, like a wind blowing through your leaves, shaking them, shaking the twigs and even a little the branches, but not knocking your tree over. And after the wind stops blowing, there, strong, still, you remain. with, to the extent that it's present, the experience of feeling strong while also being connected and open to others is sinking into you, becoming a resource woven into your being that you can take with you after this workshop wherever you go. Now let the experience of strength shift into the background, still remaining, and we're going to explore compassion, especially compassion for yourself. So as you can, to begin, bring to mind the sense of being with someone that you know cares about you, and help yourself deepen into the experience of being cared about. Let that experience of being cared about be as big and lasting as possible. And feel free to add to it by bringing to mind others, either in the past or in the present, who give you that feeling of mattering, of being liked, of being appreciated, of even being loved. And again, to strengthen that, you may put your hand on your heart or on your cheek or whatever works for you. in a traditional saying, be not afraid, know that you are loved.
And then second step, let the feeling of care, being cared about stay there, but particularly bring to mind anyone, a child, a friend, an animal companion, that naturally draws compassion and caring out of you. Naturally draws out of you the wish that they not suffer with a feeling of tender concern. open to and intensify and sink into the experience of compassion, of caring for others and wishing that they not suffer. Third step, mindfully grounded in the experience of compassion, apply it to yourself as a child. Find an image, maybe from an old photograph or a memory or just an intuition of yourself as a little kid that you can naturally have compassion in your heart for. You might imagine what the little kid version of you really needed way back then. And you might imagine sending support, maybe with words in your mind, like, may you not suffer, or may you know it's not all your fault, or may you understand that um, they're just mad and it's not really about you. Sending wishes of non-suffering to that little kid that's still deep down inside you today. It's all right if the feelings of compassion crumble or you get distracted, Just that's fine. And then come back to the object of attention here, which is feelings of caring for younger versions of yourself. They weren't perfect. Little kids get snotty noses, they steal cookies, they roll their eyes, whatever. But they still are innocent and vulnerable and deserve, like any being, the wish that they not suffer. And on that basis then, take a couple minutes here to explore extending caring and compassion to younger versions of yourself, working your way up forward in time through your childhood into early adulthood. For example, you might think of, in addition to the little version of you as a 
preschooler or even what you might imagine as a toddler or infant, how about sending compassion to yourself as a grade school kid? Dealing with bullies and cliques and sports and events, moves, family, friends, neighborhood. You might think back on some of the hard things that happened for you. Don't get sucked into them. Stay grounded and focused primarily in extending compassion and caring to the younger versions of you or the younger layers of you in the mind today. Including working through high school and college up to young adulthood. You might just touch on particular scenes or moments. It's a whole life here in just a few minutes, to be sure. So you don't have to cover all the bases. You can do this again later. And then let's take another few minutes to extend compassion and caring to younger versions of yourself up to the present time. So depending on how old you are, Think of things that happened in your life that were difficult or challenging or wounding or painful in your 20s or 30s or 40s, 50s or beyond, whatever, all the way up to the present time, taking a few minutes. You don't have to cover all the bases, maybe just look for the main ones. Taking a few minutes up to the present time.
bringing it up to the present. And then imagine your future self over the rest of today, uh, the rest of the week or next week, and extend compassion and caring to the future you, including in particular any things that might be challenging, difficult relationships perhaps, or difficult events, fears. Just imagine that future you and send compassion and caring to that being too. Taking a minute to extend this all the way to the end of the year. Kind of touching on things you might face. Transitions, kids going back to school, going, meeting the in-laws at holidays, job reviews, job searches, whatever, through the end of this year. and then extended further to next year, 2011, your future self, and recentering continually in feelings of caring and compassion for that future self, going forward, dealing with things, some of which can be anticipated, some of which can't. And seeing if you can feel caring and compassion for your future self over the next decade or even two decades. Maybe imagining specific situations that you'll face or could face or you have to keep facing, and sending caring and compassion to that future self even 20 years out. And then extending care and compassion all the way up to the last few hours of your life.
generally best to imagine a, a benign last few hours, relatively pain-free, conscious, but care and compassion for that old version of you, presume an, a really old version. Imagine what she needs or she he needs. Imagine the suffering that may be present there. And extend the wish that you not suffer, my future sweet self, um, that, that you be happy. Continuing to extend compassion to the future you as that being approaches the last few minutes of life. Sending good wishes and love to yourself in the future. Good wishes and love all the way up to the very last breath. Good wishes and love all the way to the moment of your own death. and then onward to whatever lies beyond. Abiding as the giving of compassion and the receiving of compassion. Receiving the compassion that's been given to you in this practice. Sensing compassion sinking into you, opening to receiving compassion. Even your future self opening to receiving compassion in the days ahead.
In a moment, we'll take a lunch break. Um, many people find that practice to be quite powerful. A few people, in my experience, don't relate to it or get overwhelmed by it, but many people, it's quite powerful. You might just be really nice to yourself during lunch. Be really, really nice to yourself. You know, I, I think of the advice in kindergartens, right? Uh, pay attention, be nice, share your toys. And that's very applicable to ourselves as well. So we'll take an hour break. Um, we'll be back at a quarter to two. So please be on time and see you then. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.